You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Fantastic. It's great, isn't it? Come and celebrate on this Easter Sunday. Just want to say what a brilliant job you guys have done serving us so well this morning. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to Luke and 24. We're looking at the story of Easter. In fact, I'm going to do something slightly old-fashioned this morning. I would like it if you could all stand up whilst we read the Bible. Yeah, let's stand. And I'm going to read Luke 24 and verse 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Great, you may take your seats. Thank you for joining with me as we're looking at this. We are looking at the story of the resurrection this morning. And and the honest truth is that if you've listened to the songs and the poetry and the spoken word, you already know the outcome. I think sometimes we've lost some of the shock that this would have been to the women. Yet these women were not expecting this to happen. In fact, if we'd have read the whole of the Gospel of Luke, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. In fact, just just a few verses before in Luke 23, we read this. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So the ladies knew the right tomb. The ladies had gone to the place where the body of Jesus was laid. In fact, if they'd gone to the wrong tomb, one of the other disciples might have said, no, no, I think you've gone to the wrong tomb. It was this one. No, the ladies went to the right tomb. Jesus had died. They had seen Jesus die. They they didn't go there with this bounce in there. They weren't doing a spoken word or a dance on that day. It would have been heavy feet. They'd have been carrying these spices thinking, how did it all go so horribly wrong? Why did he die? We thought he was the one. There would have just been this sense of heaviness and dread. The centurion had seen him die. 
Pilate had released his body. People, it said, literally went away beating their breasts, saying, oh, he's died. He, Jesus had died on the Friday. And then well, suddenly we get this chapter. And I want us to just explore and look at, at this chapter again. Luke, Luke who wrote this, was a medical doctor. And so basically, we know this from Luke chapter 1. He said, look, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too have decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So this account is very, very carefully put together. I'm going to suggest that there are seven clues hidden in the passage before we even get to the, the answer. Let's just look at the case. Let's investigate the clues. Let's join the dots. Let's follow the trail and see where this goes. Clue number one. Yeah, the masks don't help. I'm hoping you're with me. I'd love to have you all stood up shouting one, two, three. I'll be careful because we don't want to break too many rules. Clue number one. The first day of the week. On the first day of the week. Yeah, we could skip over that. We could say, yeah. We've just finished a series in this church called Gospel Foundations, and it, started, it was all about the story in Genesis. You see, this is the pattern of Genesis repeated. In Genesis, we believe it says that actually creation occurred over six days. The seventh day, God rested. And then the first day was a, a sort of the new week. And so in many respects, as soon as he starts on the first day of the week, the readers would have thought, oh, something is about to happen. A whole new world is about to come into being. A new age is about to be ushered in. I sometimes wonder if we've missed a clue. Clue number one, first day of the week. Clue number two, early in the morning. Early in the morning. There was a tradition in the Old Testament that God revealed first thing in the morning what he'd been doing throughout the night. There was often a sense of breakthrough first thing in the morning. Victory over enemies. So suddenly when, when Luke is writing, first day of the week, people are going, yes. Early in the morning, they're going, yes, yes. There would have been that sort of anticipation. Clue number three, they find the stone rolled away. Why did they have a stone there? Well, it would have kept the animals out. It would have kept the smell in. It would have prevented the robbers going there and taking whatever they wanted. Let's be honest. I put my hand up and I've done this. Have you ever gone back home and realised you forgot to shut the front door? You suddenly think, oh no, something's gone on here, hasn't it? Yeah, our first house, it went straight onto the pavement. I don't know how long we were gone for, but I came back, the front door was open. But of course, it wasn't my fault, it was my wife's. But after I'd forgiven her, I discovered everything was okay. <laughs> then remembered I was the last one out. But there's a clue. There is a clue. They found the stone rolled away. Clue number three. Clue number four. They entered but did not find the body of the Lord. If this was a TV show now, we'd just have some music going. What is happening? There's a play on words, isn't there? They find the stone rolled away, but they don't find the body. The stone, they, they, they thought it was going to be there, but they find that it's gone, but they don't find the body. 
Clue number five. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Now, again, if we'd have read the whole of the Gospel of Luke, we'd realise that angelic visitors started the book. They turned up and spoke to Mary, tell her that she was going to have this child. They spoke to the angels. So, there's angels. We know something big's about to happen. But it wasn't just one angel. Mary only got one angel. Has Zechariah only got one angel? They get two. Ba-boom, ba-boom. You see, somebody's picking up on their chair already. They're getting the excitement. They're getting the sense of something's about to happen. Pete, it's clue five and there's only seven happening. What is clue number six? They're asked a question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's fascinating, isn't it? It's almost like, come on, think. Think. Why why are you looking for the living? I don't think it's because these two men didn't know the answer. I think there's this build, this sort of suspense in this story. Clue number seven (laughs) is a statement. The two men go even further, don't they? They say, he is not here. It could be, you know, where is he? He's not here. And so the this, this story has picked up this crescendo until suddenly you get this statement, don't you? It's declared, he has risen. That's great. It's brilliant, isn't it? Hallelujah. He has risen. He is not dead. Jesus is alive. The grave couldn't hold him. Death has been defeated. He is not here. He has risen. Yeah. This should be a surprise and a shock. You see, the the behaviour of the disciples changes as a result of this news. They are now loyal to Jesus and prepared to die for him. They change how and when they worship, all based upon this news. Their enemies seek to join them. Christianity explodes. Nobody has ever been produced and the tomb has never been enshrined. In the NIV application commentary, he says this, the resurrection was not created by the church. Rather, the the church was created by the resurrection. So what he's saying is this is central to who we are. It's central to why we're here today. It's central to why we celebrate Easter. As Christians, we say this is the high point of our year. I know that all four gospel accounts give you slightly different details about the resurrection. And you could go home and read them all today and think, oh, what's the difference? I encourage you, read them. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But I'll tell you one fact they all include. Jesus rose from the dead. You see, it was central. This guy, I was telling you, Luke, doc, the doctor, who he, he writes a follow-on book to this one, the book of Acts. And in there we read in Acts 3, Luke records this, you killed the author of life. This is a sermon that Peter is given, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So it wasn't just, oh, this was just one fact. This, this is central to who they are, what they believe. Paul, who ends up writing much of the New Testament, some would say 13 out of the 27 books that make the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. 
He says in 1 Corinthians 15, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. I mean, it's Paul saying, Do you know what? This has totally changed my life. And this is what I'm declaring this morning. So I want to ask you a question. There's two responses to this in the passage. Which one are you? Two responses. The first one is, I wonder. I wonder. The women go in there and they wonder what has gone on. Peter goes in there and he walks away wondering what's happened. What that speaks to me is counting the cost and thinking about the journey. It speaks about, oh God, what could all this mean? There's questions. A desire to know something. You might feel curious. It may be that you're watching today. It may be that you're here and you think, I don't know why I'm here. Some, well, well, I do actually. The singers were amazing. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and he's not even dating one of them. That's amazing. <laughs> The reality is you think, why am I here? I wonder what it's all about. You see, it's a challenge if Jesus rose. For the Greeks, they wanted to try and save themselves. The Greeks were full of these like societies. How could we possibly make sure that we come out? It feels oppressive and we're going to save ourselves. And when Jesus came along and said, I'm going to save you, that was a huge challenge for them. They had to wonder, no, no, I want to save myself. That might be true for some of us today. Well, why do I need Jesus? I'm working at my own life. I'm sorting out my own finances. For the Romans, the challenge of the risen Jesus was that he should come first. You see, the Romans had lots of gods, and, and they didn't mind, oh, we take Jesus, just stick him on the shelf like everyone else. But actually, in those days, you had to refer to Caesar as Lord, because what that really meant is Caesar came first. And so suddenly there was a challenge of, oh, well, actually, if Jesus has risen, can I just stick him on the shelf with my other gods, or has he got to become first? I guess that's a challenge for some of us, isn't it? Ultimately, do we think, oh, this risen Jesus is going to become my Lord, the one that I follow first? Or am I just going to try and stick him on a shelf with everyone else? For the Jews, the risen Jesus was a challenge because Jesus claimed to be divine. You see, what some people say is, well, I quite like Jesus. He was a good teacher, wasn't he? But actually, Jesus taught, and actually, I'm God. And I'm not sure that is a good teacher unless he really was. By rising from the dead, he was literally claiming divinity. And so then the Jews are suddenly, well, oh, now we've got to make a decision. Is he God or is he not? And I guess that's a challenge for us. Maybe this Easter we're thinking, oh, I don't know, am I going to save myself or would Jesus save me? Am I going to be first in my life or is Jesus going to be first? I think there are some questions. I know we uh, have some booklets, Why Easter? We'd encourage you to grab one of those as you leave. If not, we've got stories of hope. There's some booklets just out there. We say, hey, take one of these. I'm wondering, what is Easter all about? Now, some of you are sitting and thinking, no, I, I do know what it's about. Jesus rose and he's my Lord. And you've gone past the wonder of it. So I'm going to ask you the other question, which we see twice in this passage. What do you remember? You see, twice the ladies have said, remember. 
And then they remembered. You see, I think what's happened is they had forgotten what Jesus had said. Jesus always knew that his death was part of the plan. It wasn't, it all went horribly wrong on Good Friday. In Luke 9, Jesus says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus had told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to lay down my life for you, but I will rise back again. It wasn't the only time. In Luke 18, we hear this. Jesus took the 12, that was the disciples aside, and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, a title for himself, will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. And so what they said is, do you remember his words? Now, I want to ask you the question. If you think, hey, I'm no longer wondering about Easter, I believe it. Then I'm going to ask you, do you remember the words of Jesus? And you think, well, what are you talking about, Pete? I, I believe he rose. Yeah, but what else did he say in the Gospel of Luke that you might have forgotten? Because sometimes I think that the, for, for Christians, we can look back and think, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Great. We get some great songs and we get Easter eggs when we leave. And isn't it a wonderful day? But I think Jesus brought some challenging words that we do well to remember. Jesus said this to you, if you believe, you will be rejected and insulted on account of your faith. That's in Luke 6. You are the child of God. You enjoy his generous rewards as we love our enemies in the way that he did and he does. That's also Luke 6. Jesus said, we are called to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel and we will save our eternal lives in so doing. That's Luke 9. He says, actually, greatness is found in being the least and the last, not the first. That's Luke 9, 48. He says, blessing is found in obedience to God's word. So I've got to live that. That's what Jesus said. That was his words. That's Luke eleven twenty eight. He says, we have nothing to fear in death, for we are known and valued by the one who has power over our eternal destiny. That's Luke 12. He also says in Luke 12, if we stand for Jesus today, he will stand for us and affirm us as his subjects on that final day. He also says in Luke 12, we have no need to feel anxious for all the riches of God's kingdom have been given over to us. He tells us that he is coming back again. Luke 18, he says, whatever you give up to follow me, and following Christ will mean giving up much, you will receive far more in this life and the one to come. So I guess the challenge is, have you wondered who this Jesus is? And if you have, are you remembering his words to you and how we must live? He is not here. He has risen. That is the great news of of our faith. We, we, the Jews can visit the tomb of Abraham in Hebron. Buddha was buried bits in China and India, I believe. Muhammad is there in Medina. 
but not with Jesus Christ. So we then need to think, oh, he has risen. There's got to be a change. Luke, the doctor, changes the name after the resurrection. For the first time in the whole book, he calls him Lord. You've got to decide on the basis of Easter, the basis of an empty tomb. Do you wonder? Do you remember? The cross often makes us think about what he did in our place. The resurrection makes us stand in awe of him and who he is. I tell you, it's great news, isn't it? He's not here. He has risen. We come before a living saviour. This is why we break bread. One of the reasons we did this on Good Friday, actually, and often that's remembering his death and his body broken for us. Sometimes, though, we want to do it, and we want to do it with a sense of excitement because he's alive. And he said one day he's coming back and he'll do this with us. And so we do it with a sort of sense of hope. And we're not looking back today and thinking, oh, body broken, bloodshed. We're looking forward to think this risen Jesus, one day we will, we will meet, see him face to face and celebrate.